Have you struggled with ways to stay engaged and interact with parents and vice versa? Are you a parent and have struggled with ongoing communication with the providers who are helping to support your child? We really have a great conversation today with Rhea Ree from Hi Mama. She was an early education teacher and she has some amazing strategies about how do we actively stay engaged. It can be so hard to have that ongoing communication. But I think the main way to stay into a collaborative and professional and working relationship is to have that type of ongoing communication. Um, And it can be overwhelming. How do we do that? How do I communicate with parents in a way that's effective and and vice versa? Uh, And what do we do when there is a problem? That comes up. And we know that it takes a team to help support autistic students and all students, really. Um, And we talk about today creating an action plan. Um, You know, what if we do have a disagreement? How do we work through that so that we remain professional, we remain collaborative, and we remain with our main focus on helping our child, helping our students become independent, spontaneous communicators who are every day strengthening their communication. Uh, I'm really excited for this episode. Let's get right on into it. You're listening to Autism Outreach Podcast, a podcast full of ready-to-use strategies to help those with autism strengthen their communication skills. Here's your host, Rose Griffin of ABA Speech, a speech therapist and board-certified behavior analyst who shares tips you can use in your next therapy session. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us on episode 42 of the Autism Outreach Podcast. We have a great episode today. I'm very excited to chat with our guests. We have with us Rhea Ree from Hi Mama. Thanks so much for coming on. It's nice to have you here. Such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. And I think we got acquainted because I was on a podcast with Ron from Hi Mama, and it is a really cool organization. I'm excited for you to talk a bit about that today too. And uh, that's how I kind of found out about you guys and probably through Instagram. I talk about social media here a lot, but it definitely connects me with all different types of people. So I'm, I'm so excited that you're here. Can you tell us a little bit about you, your journey as an educator and kind of what you're up to now? Yeah, sure. I'll give you the Coles notes because otherwise we'll be here forever. But I'm the community ambassador at Hi Mama. So if those of you have never heard, Hi Mama, we are the number one childcare app. And like you said, Rose, we were you were on our preschool podcast, which folks, you should totally give a listen. It's absolutely amazing. So a bit about me, my background as an early childhood educator, I of course started with my boots on the ground, working in all ages, but I spent most of my time in a preschool classroom. I love working with that age. They're so inquisitive. They're so just eager to learn. And they've got a little bit of sass behind them, which I also love. On the outside of the coin, decided to make a transition. Of course, that transition led me to Hi Mama. I wanted to give back to the community that I was working with in just different formats, different ways. And that led me to where I am and sitting in my role here at Hi Mama today. So on the outside of all of that, I love being out on the water. I love 
hiking, things like that, reading. I spend most of my time with my family, of course, when I can, but otherwise, uh, just like to keep things low key. So, yeah, awesome. I love that. That that kind of goes with that where the world is at right now. Being on the, <laughs> we just got a boat this past summer, and so we've enjoyed those types of COVID friendly things, yep. which you know I feel like we're going to have to just plan for in the future. So exactly, uh, exactly. Well, <laughs> yeah, so I know you know three of I have three kids of my own, and we definitely had nannies at some point, but a lot of my own kids went to you know daycare and childcare, and so I think that it will be interesting to kind of get your perspective as an early education teacher previously, because I think something that a lot of our parents struggle with and a lot of families who have children with autism is sometimes children can't really maintain their attendance in those types of programs because it's just really hard with staffing ratios. And I I know with Hi Mama, you guys are supporting, you know, the the workflows and things like that of daycares and early intervention providers. So it'll be interesting for us to chat about that. I know that today we're going to talk about parental engagement and communication, which I think is so very important, no matter the age of the student that we are working with. And it can be something that can be such a barrier just based on your your setting. And, you know, I have my own private practice, ABA speech, which the one thing that I really love about that, there's so many things, but the one thing I love is just access to parents. It's so easy to talk to parents because I'm actually seeing students in their home, which is very nice. And you just can be, you know, see the family dynamic and you can help give recommendations and feedback and coaching. And when I work in a public school three days a week as a speech therapist, I definitely try to set up systems of ways that I can communicate with parents. But as you know, there's just more barriers to talking to parents. And so I'm excited for you to share some of those tips. But what, you know, what are your thoughts on you know, the importance of that parent engagement? Why is that so very important for all of our students? Oh, okay. Yeah, this is a, this is a juicy question, which I love immensely. And you've kind of said a little bit of it so far, but I, I'll pull it into a bit of recap. So it's super important. We, we know this as educators and even for yourself, you know this, that having a parent and an educator communication successfully happening within a child's, you know, wherever they are, whether they're in early ed, whether they are in school and higher up even, having that piece is actually a successful piece for them. And it's a key to learning for educators and for their children. So it ties back. We know research has shown that when a parent is actually involved and is involved in what's happening on the child's day-to-day, like you said, being in the school and being in and around those things, it can be a little bit more difficult, especially in childcare. It can definitely raise some, some bigger questions. But when both sides of the coin are better equipped with what's happening with a child, they're not actually going to lead to just academic success, but they're actually going to lead to developmental success. And it's going to show as the children do grow older. It might not seem like it at the time, but as they do grow older, it will come through pieces that you weren't expecting. So as educators, you really want to create that trust, that communication with parents and parents vice versa, so that each way you know the roles that you're playing and you know the sources of knowledge to go to while the children's growing, while they're developing, especially in those early years. And that's like one of my my key factors in when it comes to engaging parents as an early child educator, because it starts with you at the end of the day. 
Right. Yeah. And I I think that's so important is that we may not see those things in the day to day. I know having three kids of my own and every Friday, my kids, my son started kindergarten this year, but every Friday there, I get all the newsletters from all the different schools. And I really do take time to read all those things. But I think sometimes, especially, you know, we may only be hearing from, you know, teachers, maybe if something is not going the right way. And so we want to make sure that we have like antecedently these workflows in place so that we are able to communicate with parents as providers. And that's so very important to make sure that uh, people understand exactly, you know, what's going on in the classroom. Even if I think as a, as a parent, it's nice for me to know even what my fifth grader is doing, you know, yeah. in social studies, it doesn't mean that I'm going to be doing lessons on it at home, but it is just good information. I like how you said that, you know, every, in the everyday, we may not see how this is really impactful, this type of engagement between the providers, the teachers, and the parents. But down the road, it is going to be really helpful when we have all that knowledge on both sides. So you're saying you're kind of like planting the seed for down the road, that type of engagement. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, it, you, it, especially with your fifth grader, he or she's going to come home at the end of the day and you're going to say, what happened at school today? And nothing. Right. It was school, right? Like they're not really yeah. going to tell you. You're not going to get that from a two-year-old either. They're just going to be like, I don't know. Like, right. it happen. But yeah, exactly. You're planting the seed. You're creating that. And for yourself too, as a parent, if you look on the flip side of coin, then you're looking down the road. And yes, let's say you do need to have conversations. Maybe you're just, you are. You just want to know what's happening. You just want to know what's been happening, day-to-day life, those important pieces. You also want to make sure you can start up those conversations with the educator, with the teacher, wherever you are in your route. So you're planting the seed for the future is what you're really doing. Yeah, I love that. Great ideas. So what are some tips and strategies for just educators, speech therapists, professionals, teachers to have better engagement with parents? Do you have some ideas that we can... I always talk about actionable tips and strategies on this podcast because I want to make sure there are things that people can undo. But can you share some of those with us today? Yeah, I'll share a couple that have worked really well for me. And it definitely when it comes down to as an educator, you of course, when they're young, you're trying to you're trying to create this from the get-go, right? Like and we've mentioned this as we've been chatting so far. You you're trying to create this communication, you're trying to make sure there's no barriers between yourself and your parents. So it all starts with just being yourself. If you're trying to put on face like first day of school or things like that, it's not gonna lead you to a road of success. So you want to of course take that, be respectful. Of course, I know everyone is being respectful, but at the same time, be your genuine self. It helps break down those barriers from the very beginning because it allows parents to open up from the get-go. They're not seeing any red flags to start with. They're not seeing anything where they're like, oh, I don't I don't know if I should be like paying attention to this or not. You, you don't want those barriers there to start with. If you start putting those barriers up to, from the beginning, then you're going to end up into a world of disaster that you just really don't want to be in and you don't want to be taking down that wall. The second one is continue to be a source of support and knowledge for parents. This one's hard for some educators, for some parents, depending on the dynamics. We know there's going to be a parent or two that they're just difficult to deal with. And and there's always going to be one or two of them. But on the same side, just remember, you are a source of knowledge. You are a source of support for them. And what you're doing is just helping be that stepping stone when the parent actually has to turn around and say, hey, like, I actually realized I do need help now. I maybe was being a little rough in the beginning or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it also applies to a parent who might just be a little shy. 
You know, mm-hmm. you just never know, right? You have to get to know your families. They're doing this maybe for the first time, leaving their little one or for you, like yourself, your third time <laughs> yeah, off to right. school, right? Like right. they might not seem like they're accepting it in the beginning, but if you continue up, sorry, continually being professional with them, then you'll be surprised when they do turn around for support from you. And it actually probably take you right off guard. I, um, I like that idea yeah. of you never know who's really taking in information and what they're taking in. It could be yeah. the person that you like never hear from all year. Um, <laughs> but at the parent conference, they're like, you know, regurgitating some of your newsletters or, you know, your take home notes. Because you just never know yes. how that support is being taken in. So I think sometimes as, you know, as the speech therapist, because I have different ways that I have touch points with, you know, my private therapy pa- patients, I send home, not send home, I give to the parents, you know, these are strategies that we're working on. They're typically with me during the session. So they know, and the kids sometimes get homework or, you know, if it's an autistic client, they will get family homework about how to embed communication strategies versus when I'm working in a school one of the things that I do that sounds so simplistic, but it's actually very difficult is at the start of the year, I email every single parent who I am seeing their child for speech therapy. And I just say, Hey, I'm seeing so-and-so. I'm excited to be working with them. Please don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions about communication or just want to say hi. That takes me a long time, but I feel like it's time well spent because the parents who do have concerns or do have a question usually do reach out and say, hey, you know, the other therapist was da-da-da or my child gets private therapy. And so I feel like it's a way to let parents know too, I'm here. And if they don't write me back, that's okay. Just like you're saying, you know, you may not hear back from parents, but I want parents to know that I'm here to support them along this journey of communication. And I feel like sometimes parents, um, whether your child is typically developing or whether they have complex communication needs, it can just feel kind of overwhelming to be a parent, especially now with the pandemic. And if you have, you know, just one child is a lot, but you, if you have more than one, you know how it goes. You're just like very overwhelmed, right? Yeah. You're trying to take in so much. And especially if, like in, you've seen this before in your practice, I'm sure like each child is developing at different stages. And if you're dealing with a couple of children in the same family, mom or dad, or whoever it is, parents and guardians, they're taking in so much information. So that's why I say just, just continue on and be patient. Like mm-hmm. they're, they're simple things, but on the same side, they're things that will go such a long way for you. And they'll actually just continue to open up. Like you said, they may not ever get back to you. And and I hope that eventually they do strike up the right conversation with you. But on the same side, you're still the professional. You're still offering up any support that's needed. But at the same time, you're also just letting them know the facts. Right. No, I love that. So when you were in the classroom Mm -hmm. as an early childhood educator, how did you, and I know you didn't go to the third strategy yet. I have a lot of questions. Sorry. Um, How, what did you, did you do a, and maybe that's where Hi Mama comes in, but did you do, like, what were you reporting on? Like, how were you giving parents information? Was it, I mean, I know when my children were younger, I would find out what letter of the week they were working on or what book they were reading or, you know, what types of information were you reporting on? And I guess, with what frequency as being the classroom teacher? Yeah. So this is a great question. So for me, I sadly did not have the pleasure of using Hi Mama in the classroom. So I was doing a lot of pen and paper, but folks 
I'll go back to my story in just a sec. If you'd like, you can actually look into using Hi Mama Center, whether you're an educator, whether you're a director or owner, it can help take those pieces of paper communication and put everything digital. And parents can get things just a lot easier, a lot simpler. Things don't get lost. You're not you know, opening up a trunk of a car and finding right. 500 daily reports in the background. Anyways, mm-hmm. so I'd love for you to check us out at any point. On my side of the coin, we communicated daily and a lot of our things were written. So we used to do a daily report on a, like, of course, all of our younger children with any mm-hmm. of the important information that they needed. So obviously like food, changing bottle, whatever the age was accordingly. But then on the same side of points, if we started to notice up things that maybe were like triggers or red flags or anything like that, or they had a rough day, hopefully I've gotten information from at drop off from mom or dad or whoever mm-hmm. that maybe it led to why they had a bit of a rough day. Maybe they didn't sleep well. Maybe they're maybe not feeling A1 today, but they haven't right. quite figured out why. Or they've had just a super day. Always yeah. report on the things that are happening that are positive. And I feel right. like parents and educators and teachers, they both dive into the, oh, what was wrong? Don't mm-hmm. forget about those positive pieces. So, and then of course, on a weekly basis, we tried to recap the week with some great photos and just kind of a summary. We kept a journal and then this way parents could actually look back and see what was going on on a weekly basis as well. So, but of course, as you know, keeping track of a couple of kiddos at a time can be really difficult, <laughs> yes. which is why I say, and of course the pandemic has done this, start going digital folks. You, you can mm-hmm. actually take those pieces continue to be personal, right. but not lose that communication in the way that you would potentially lose pen and paper. And of course, you know, lots of centers have dropped it because they're just trying to take that extra safety precaution too. So yeah, I mean that when the pandemic hit, I definitely transitioned because I do, if you're watching this on YouTube, I do like pen and paper. I take little notes on my little I do too. podcast <laughs> summary. I do have like a little sheet here that guides me because I need that. But I did when the pandemic hit, I really transitioned most of my data to Google, Google Forms. And then when I see the students, it's really cool. I have a whole YouTube about this, but I enter their IEP goals. I can take the data. And that's really neat about Google Forms is then you can send all those answers to a spreadsheet. Um, So when you're doing progress reports, it's all really nice in there. But I I love the idea of digital and something that I was kind of working on and kind of talking with um, some daycare providers here in my area Mm. or preschools was providing screenings for children just like in my area here in Northeast Ohio. But they, um, one of the speech therapists that I'm friends with that does this in her area in a different state that said that she uses a QR code, like this idea of being paperless, so that parents could scan this QR code and they would fill out, this would be their um, saying that they would like their child to be screened for speech and and communication because parents don't need one more piece of paper. (laughs) You know what I mean? That's exactly it. It's very stressful when my kids are like, they're getting their full out of the day and they're taking all their papers out. I'm getting, I'm feeling anxious because I just, I try to keep things tidy. And I mean, if you walked in my house now, you'd be like, what are you talking about? Your house isn't tidy, but I'm always <laughs> analyzing like, how can I make this communication easier? How can I automate this system? How can I do this? So I do love the idea of thinking about just digital. Um, you know, I have a couple parents, not every parent in the school, but I have a couple parents who have students with, you know, high support needs. And so, <laughs> they have outside providers. And so the parents really want to know, like, how was speech therapy this week? Um, So for like one or two parents, I do send an email 
um, that's just a casual email that says how the student was doing. I have another student who has a Google Drive document that's shared with myself and the outside provider and the parents. Just this idea of this digital ongoing support that I think is always nice to refer back to. You know what I mean? Exactly. It's like, some people may not look at it. You might have the parent that, you know, I have some moms in my neighborhood that print off every email from the school. That is not me, but you, I might be that person that's thumbing back through and saying, oh my gosh, what was that one thing? But when it's all digital, I think it's just a little bit easier to manage, especially with the pandemic and things like that. So I love 100%. That. So good. 100%. All right. What is that third strategy? I will quit asking you a question. <laughs> Tell us what that third strategy is. No worries. I say my last strategy is if you are someone who is potentially shy, maybe you have trouble speaking with people, maybe you, you it's just not something that you've been keen about and it's something that you're just not sure about doing. And you want to make sure you're setting yourself up for success. And I highly, highly recommend you seek some sort of professional development in a way to help you work with your speech, work with in regards to being able to have communication with families and parents, especially if it's a hard situation. You want to come in, obviously respectful. You want to come in with the right information, but you also want to come in knowing that there's going to be an action plan taking from it, not just parents potentially being upset. So which is why I say, take some time to learn more about like proper ways of communicating with your families. And because of it, you will actually learn more about yourself, which is a really cool piece. And it will pay off for the children because you've actually set yourself up. You're going to set your families up for success. And then because of that, you're starting that that down-to-earth communication with your families and they're able to take that as they move on. So I, that's my third piece is take some time to invest in yourself professionally to make sure that you're getting that piece out to families accordingly. Yeah, that's a great idea because I feel like we definitely... I mean, as speech therapists, we do a lot of communication, but I feel like we don't get a whole lot of coursework in like counseling or talking with parents. And I'm also a board certified behavior analyst, which is so interesting. Actually, right now I'm teaching a course about ethics, but the first whole part of the course is all about ethics. And the second part of the course is about all these kind of soft skills that you're kind of talking about. It's all about counseling. It's all about parent training and team training. And I always think people that are taking the course are probably like, oh, this stuff isn't as, imp- isn't as important. But I'm going to be like, no, this is like really what's the most important. Because if you get into a situation, which I know we're going to kind of talk about, that yes. is not so pleasant. I always say it's great to work and be a part of a team because when you're working with people and if I'm a speech therapist and I'm training staff and I'm collaborating with outside therapists and I'm talking with the parent and advocates and all this, it's so great when we have something to really celebrate. Like, wow, here's a kid who's autistic, who wasn't spontaneously communicating and we're working together and look at this growth. Isn't that great? But you know what? It's on the same coin is like when you have built that ongoing communication, when something happens and it's not warm and fuzzy, which I deal with this just all the time, there's always going to be people that are upset because of this, that, and the other. And maybe it's something together collaboratively in the team you need to work on. You know, then it makes it so much easier to be able to work through those situations because anytime you're working with humans, (laughs) there's going to be a problem. There just is. It's like, I think one way, 
Somebody thinks a different way. Something's important to somebody else. Somebody didn't get the memo about something. And, you know, I think that those are like, we talk about those ideas of having critical conversations. And I heard you say action plan, which I love. I want to hear more about that. <laughs> but what, what, are, what are your thoughts on, you know, when something isn't going right? Because we know that this just comes up all the time. It's oh, just hell yeah. the nature. Yeah. So like, what are your ideas about how do, how do we get through that? I love the idea of an action plan. Because I think sometimes we might have these meetings that feel kind of not so much more with the pandemic. I feel like the pandemic has kind of squashed some meetings and we're just meeting virtually and we're just meeting with an agenda. But I like the idea of having an action plan because it's like, okay, what are we going to do now? Like this has started the conversation, but now what? So can you kind of talk us through, you know, what happens when things are not warm and fuzzy, when we need to work through some of these things where there's disagreements? Yeah. And so I'm going to take like two approaches from this. I'm going to start with a parent side approach. My first rule of thumb is for every parent, and I know this is really hard. If you have like a concern and you're pretty heated up about it, take 20 24 hours and sit out, folks. Because at the heat of the moment, and I'm so guilty of this, I have definitely gone in guns blazing, you know, ready to rip off what's going on. But I'm not thinking clearly. I'm not thinking about what am I doing for my child? I'm not thinking about like, what what are the outcomes I want to achieve? I'm not thinking about anything at the moment. I'm just thinking about what I'm fired up about. Mm -hmm. So at that moment, I say, just take it. Take what is bothering you. At least divulge yourself a little bit into the convert, like what what do you want to achieve? What What is your goal? Before taking that onto an educator, or if it's something that's extremely serious, taking it higher up to a director owner. Of course, if you're in the school system, of course, approaching a teacher or a principal, whatever is going on. And coming with that, come in is with a constructive point of view. There may be pieces you don't know about. Maybe there's pieces that you, you know you only have like this much of the story and the story is the size of a football field. And that, of course, can lead to a lot of misconceptions. So be constructive, have some time. And the other thing too, I want to say is actually take some time to book a little meeting. And like you said, I know a lot of meetings have changed, but book some time. Don't try to catch someone at the door to have a potentially serious conversation with an educator or with a teacher. Because of course, at their time, especially if you're coming in in the morning in this childcare center, that is like the last time that you want to try and have a very serious conversation. That may be something where you start the conversation and say, Hey, I've had a couple of things that are bothering me. I'd like to book some time with you. And you know, it's about A, B, and C. Could we chat a little bit further for 10 minutes? And then this way you actually have the educators undevoted time. Like they have that time set aside for you. There, The classroom is covered and you can actually have that constructive conversation. And from there, book that action plan into place. So whether it's, you know, let's say you've noticed some developmental flags and you're actually just really concerned about that. What are some pieces that the educator can start doing? What are some pieces that you can start doing at home? And then revisit it. Come back after a week or set yourself a timeline, you know, two weeks, three, whatever it is that you want to set your timeline and action that piece and come back and follow up on it. Because if you just leave a meeting saying, these are the pieces that we covered, what happens? Nothing happens after that. If you leave it, it's just going to be there on the table. Yes, you've set the cards out, but you haven't played the game and you want to play the game at the end of the day. So if it's something, of course, that's extremely serious, you know, if it's you're feeling like hopefully you never get into a situation where it's it's something involved with this particular educator, you don't know how to talk with them about it, talk to your director, talk to the principal, if it's a teacher or whatever, take those conversations to the next person up. On the other side of the coin, if you're the educator and you have some serious concerns about, like you said, development, if, if they've already, like you said, if they've already have some, uh, they're showing autism or they're already been diagnosed with it and you're trying to work with it, but pieces aren't working well, come to the table with, 
okay, we've tried these things, but of course, you know, we know every child is different and they're going to do things on their own accord, which I love. Um, But you want to make sure that you're helping them and you're setting them up for success. So like we tried A, B, and C, and maybe they're meeting with yourself, for example, and they're meeting with a speech therapist Mm -hmm. and they're trying to make sure that they're covering everything they can and what's their concerns. But then what's the action plan that you can take away as an educator? What's the action plan that parents can take away so that they can come back and say, okay, we've tried these things and this is working, but this part's not working. And then you can go for it from there. So leave with an action plan plan, but come in with that constructive point of view. You will have a better conversation. And from there, you'll actually have so much more open communication happening because you're talking about those important pieces in a constructive manner, respectful manner, and you're having something come out of it at the end of the day. Yeah, I love that so much. I do a lot of talk about ethics for speech therapists and BCBAs, but one of the specific strategies is exactly what you described and they call it HALT, but it is like a step away from the situation because talking about digital, you know, we all have a digital footprint. So whatever that means to anybody else, you know, like I always think of Facebook groups, especially for parents, because there's just so much negativity. We're actually ABA speech. We're not really going to be doing a whole lot on Facebook come October. We're going to focus more on Instagram and, and TikTok and things like that as a way to disseminate. But there's just so much negativity in Facebook groups, you know, especially yeah. for parents. I feel like if parents have an autistic child and they go into a Facebook group and, and they're getting seeking some information, they don't always get a warm and fuzzy answer. And so I just wish people would practice practice that. I definitely do. I practice that kind of step away from the situation. I'm feeling very upset inside or triggered by whatever the situation is. And you do want to have that ongoing communication. I think that's important too. And here in the, I know you guys are in Canada. Here in the States, I don't know if you guys deal as much with parent advocates, but um, you know, I have had some advocates on um, the podcast, but I also yep. as a speech therapist work together collaboratively on school teams with advocates. So advocates can be nice just because some Sometimes if, you're, if a parent does feel a little intimidated, I, I think it could be very intimidating to go into IEP meetings. I kind of talk about that um, through some of my uh, like little videos I make, but it can be intimidating when there's 20 people. Now it's on Zoom. So it's a little bit different, right? It's not like my side of the table, your side of the table. Um, somebody brought that up. That's a little <laughs> more collaborative. I was like, oh, I never thought about that, but I do like that. So, you know, that, that can be another stepping stone for parents. But I think the action plan is great set with a date, like, okay, this is the concern or this is what we're talking about. Let's get back together and talk at this time. We actually had a parent who um, was very concerned about their child's progress. Their child was making progress, but they visually wanted to hear about it, see it um, more so than the progress reports that we did in the school that I was in. And so um, the outside consultant that was on that case would actually meet with the parent like once every six weeks and would actually go over the progress report because the parents just needed a little bit more time, a little bit more information than the school came team could actually provide. And so that was a way that we had this action plan that it was going to be helpful for the parent. But I like the idea of setting a date on an action plan because... Otherwise, it's just so arbitrary. It's like, okay, when are we going to check back in about this? So I love that. We haven't talked about lost. Yeah, it gets lost down the pipeline. You don't want that, especially, of course, when it comes to child development. You you want to be able to reconvene and do it. And obviously, just set your timeline appropriately. If it's if it's two months, if it's six months, like what what is the timeline for you that you think is is decent and go from there? It doesn't have to be something that's done in a week or accomplished in, you know, in a week. And you've been like, hey, I've tried these three different techniques and none of them are working. Well, hold on. Think about it. Think about what you're implementing and how long it should take. So, and, yeah. and then you'll get the answer from there. So, so great. Such great information today. Thanks so much for sharing it. So, where can people find out more about you, your work? Hi, Mama. 
let us know. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure once again. If you want to learn more about Hi Mama, the childcare app, you can go to HiMama.com. It's all one word, folks. H-I-M-A-M-A.com. And you can actually... So if you're an educator, director, owner, you can book some time with us to learn how we can help you in your center, how we can help you go paperless if that's your goal. Just make transitions within your center. We're here to help you the entire way. Our full support team is also here to help you. Once you do come on to the Hi Mama family, we don't make sure to just leave you to the wolves or anything like that. We're going to make sure to support you through the whole the whole situation. The other great piece you can find on our website as well is all of our free resources. So from our podcast to our webinars, to our blog post pages, to our activities pages, you name it, there's tons there free for you to access if you're looking for templates or ebooks, things like that. They're there for you folks. So I highly recommend take a look. Once again, it's HiMama.com. Awesome. And make sure that you subscribe to the podcast, leave a review. I always love hearing from you. Make sure that you visit abaspeech.org. I have some new free trainings all about working with school-age students with autism. And we recently just launched our toddler preschool autism course, which we're so excited Yeah, to get that information out into the world. And uh, remember to keep things fun and functional. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to Autism Outreach. If you enjoyed the show today, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode full of actionable strategies you can use in your therapy room. Write a review too. That would mean so much to me. I always love hearing from you. Have a specific topic that you want included on a future show? Reach out over on Instagram, ABA Speech by Rose, or visit me at www.abaspeech.org.